Welcome, everybody, to this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. Look, the reason I do these masterclasses is to make you more intelligent about property specifically. Now, look, I am an accountant and I am an economist, and I try and bring to the table things that are going on in Australia right now, and in particularly how that affects property. Because the more you know about what's actually going on, rather than what's, you know, the mainstream media wants to fill you with fear and doubt, the better decisions you'll make. And when you make better decisions, you make better profits. So that's my purpose. Look, if you're listening to me on any one of the podcast uh, platforms such as Spotify or on iTunes, I really super encourage you to go across to my website at some stage. Now, whether uh, you do it immediately right now um, or if you want to jump onto YouTube or, uh, as I say, go to my website, you can see all the slides because I do present a lot of graphs and a lot of evidence that backs up uh, the things that I'm saying. I have got a massive research team behind me, and they do an excellent job. So let's get into this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. So what are we going to be covering? All right, let's just switch across here. Now, the first thing is that I want to talk about is a dirty little secret that the uh, that's hidden behind the GDP data. The next thing I want to talk about is the fact that the economy, by and large, is firing on all cylinders. And the property market still remains one of the key drivers for growth. Uh, there is another industry that is that produces more profits than all the other industries combined. But you know what? It won't affect the property market very much at all. So I want to talk about that too. The other little thing that I want to talk about is a dirty little secret that the uh, that's hidden behind the GDP data and why we need to take responsibility for our own wealth. Now, this is something that I've been saying for a very long time. And uh, this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass, I'm really going to focus on that because you need to move forward. You need to, to take responsibility yourself. And sitting back on the good old J-O-B, I'm afraid, is not going to do it for you. It certainly won't re- re- give you the kind of returns that you're after to be able to retire. Whether you're at retirement age or whether you're not at retirement age, wouldn't it be nice to actually have enough passive income to do the things you want to do? Go the places you want to go, to go. Have the things that you want to have. And that means you've got to take responsibility for yourself. So let's talk about that a little bit this week as well. So number one, let's talk about why the economy is really powering. And what we see is that GDP is very strong. Now, GDP stands for gross domestic product. It's basically our profitability as a country. And uh, across the board, despite the headwinds that we saw as part of COVID and COVID lockdowns and all of those other things, and then we had fires, and then we had floods, we're still doing really, really super well. If you have a look at this chart here, now this shows that Australia's $2.1 trillion economy uh, went up by another 3.4%, um, which is uh, larger than before the pandemic struck. And I know we're only looking at the last little bit of this chart, but you can see here there what COVID did. And we did take a bump. But we are already back up to where we would have been, if you draw that line straight up there, where we would have been had COVID not happened. So it took a couple of years, but we're back up on on top there. So the next chart I'm showing you here is household savings. Now, when we went into lockdown, uh, we saw a lot of households really pull back. 
uh, a lot of people were still employed, particularly in the public sector, and they saved their money. They paid down their debts. They put it onto their mortgages. They put it into offset accounts. Well, times have changed. We're out in the open now. People want to spend. We're out there spending on holidays and movement and cups of tea and coffee and whatever, shoes and suits, which we didn't need when we're sitting at home in our yoga pants. But all those things have meant that we, um, that we're starting to spend again. Now that's good for the economy because it means that money's going around and, and, uh, you know, people are spending and that's what the government wants to happen because that creates growth and people are, you know, create more jobs by spending more money. But what it does show in this chart is how savings have come back. Um, so uh, it's not necessarily that we are eating through the savings that we made while we were in, in lockdown, but it means that we are starting to spend what we're now actually earning. And if we look at the um, the domestic spending um, has grown by 7.1%. Uh, you know, and since the, the start of the pandemic. So we're really getting out there right now. And the Northern Territory is the leader in this 14.7% increase in spending. So they're going crazy up there. WA is next. It's interesting that they're the two countries that have the highest spending, uh, city, uh, states, I mean, have the highest spending. Uh, because, well, particularly WA has been very isolated and, uh, and been cut off from the rest of the country and everything else. And so too is the Northern Territory. A lot of people in the Northern Territory stayed, that worked in the Northern Territory, but normally lived elsewhere, stayed in the Northern Territory so they could continue to work during the pandemic. We then go on to the ACT. Well, the ACT's got more money than anybody else. Uh, then we go to Queensland, uh, South Australia, Tassie. Um, Australia across the board is actually running at 7.1%. That's our average. And then the last two states to start spending are Victoria and New South Wales. Now, it's interesting when you look at the psychology of this because uh, they're the two states that have been the most locked in as opposed locked down as opposed to locked in like WA and and uh, the Northern Territory have been and I think they're the ones that have gone through a lockdown and then we're out again and then a lockdown and then we're out again which means that they're a little bit more cautious about are we going to go into another lockdown there's less trust with the uh, the governments in those two states I feel and that's what's causing the difference there in the spending. The next chart I'm going to show you here is the pickup in household spending over the past year. And it's basically showing you exactly what I've said, uh, but it's happening with both essentials and discretionary. Now, one of the things that is really driving the essentials at the moment is the high cost of fuel and electricity. They seem to be the big bugbears at the moment. They were certainly a big part of the election. Not that anything's happened, that nothing's changed from one, one government to another government, but they were a hot topic through the election period. And because of that, our essential spending is still very, very high. Um, I really don't see a massive change in this. Uh, I know I think there's got to be some significant infrastructure spent on electricity and uh, wind and, and solar to try and get anywhere near what we need to do to get our electricity prices down. There also needs to be a shift towards, uh, you know, electrical things if we can get our electricity prices down, such as electric cars, such as, you know, a lot of the uh, the big machinery being powered by other other um, sources. Now, in Australia, we get a lot of sun. So obviously, sun farms or uh, solar farms are 
uh, high on the agenda. But I've uh, recently been in Europe and oh boy, are the wind farms out here uh, in, uh, in Europe crazy. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, wind farms out in the ocean and, and uh, we've been sailing and we've sailed past literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, wind farms. And, you know, maybe that's what we need to be incorporating back home. Right? Maybe that's what we need to be having uh, as our, our serious uh, generation, because most of our population is around the edges of Australia and we've got a lot of coastline. So maybe that's where our our green dollars need to be spent rather than stopping farmers from building a dam, which they desperately need to get through the drought times, which is a lot of what the legislation is doing right now, which is, in my view, bloody ridiculous. Excuse the French. Let's move on to the next chart, shall we? Spending on renovations and stamp duty. Now, this remains uh, high. The reason I show this chart is because when you consider renovations, we're spending money on our homes. When you consider stamp duty, we're spending money on buying something new. So there's a lot of money being poured into the property market still. Now, we've come back a little bit in recent uh, recent months, really. That's all it's been. Uh, but, you know, as soon as we open up those borders and the demand starts to increase again and we start to get a lot more immigration up around the 300,000 a year, which is what we were pre-COVID, uh, we are going to see a lot more increase in demand and that will push prices higher. But at the same time that all this is going on, companies are making record profits right across the board, but particularly in one industry. And that industry is mining. Now, this is not going to lead to a mining boom. It is not going to lead to massive increases in the mining towns with, uh, you know, the crazy stuff that we saw a few years ago. But it will mean that, that it creates more money in the economy. Wages will go up, particularly in that sector. I expect to see a lot of industrial action in this sector. The unions in that sector are very, very strong. This chart shows the government spending, and again, it's high. You know, we've got record government spending, um, both from a uh, in the public consumption as well as the public investment area. Uh, so that all leads to ongoing uh, money in the economy. So the long-term effects are good as well. It's not just a short-term bubble. Our exports are as good as they've ever been. Seriously, I mean, look, I know a lot of that is on the back of the mining industry and the high ore prices that we've seen over recent times. And they, they took a dip and then they've come back up again. And, you know, they're bouncing around all over the place. But the reality is, as a country, we are profitable. As a country, we are doing very, very well. Um, and this is like our balance of trade. We are in, we are exporting more than we are importing. And for that reason, our, uh, you know, our export, our balance of trade is fantastic. So the Australian's balance of trade we, sh we see here on this chart, and as I said, it's right up there. Now, whilst we've come back a little bit, we're on the move up again, and really a lot of that is to do with oil pricing more than anything else. But the data hides a dirty little secret. You see, the GDP data shows that real wages are back where they were in 2011. You can't rely on wages for your financial freedom. And meanwhile, profits are booming, particularly in the mining industry. But 
Don't expect that to be a regional mining town boom, as I said before. So even though the, the charts are showing great returns and things are looking, you know, up for Australia and all the rest of it, a lot of it is centered in the mining industry. It's not quite as across the board as we would like from an economics perspective. And the other thing is that our real wages are terrible. When we adjust this for inflation, we are back at 2011. That's the, that's the real wages that we're on. And in the meantime, all of our costs of living have gone up. But at the same time, and, I, and this is why profits are up, you know, we're still working really, really hard. If you look at this chart here, this is our, our profitability. This is, sorry, our productivity. And our productivity is good. You know, we want to work. We want to be productive. We want to make things. We want to do things. We want to make money. But I'm afraid the profits are going into the companies and they're not being shared with the employees. So this is something that has to change. And I've been saying it for about the last 12 months or so, we are going to see a lot more industrial industrial action. Now, when we look at that, there's two things that are happening here. One is industrial action to increase the wages when you're already employed with somebody. And a lot of that is happening in the um, in the public sector. And, and those, you know, teachers and nurses and, you know, all those that have really done it tough through, through COVID. But you've got the stevedores, uh, who always seem to be very, um, you know, strike happy. Uh, you've got the truckers, you've got all the rest of them that, that, but a lot of the, the, um, the blue collar workers, their main increase is coming from moving jobs. The blue collar workers and the white collar workers are moving jobs to get a higher pay. So, it's kind of a sneaky little way of, of getting a, a pay rise. And because the job market is so tight, what that meant is that, um, you know, we're going to see uh, all the wages go up because to, to attract a new employee, you've got to increase your wages. And to keep the ones you've got, you've got to increase the wages as well. So there's 60 years of the Australian economy shifting from wages to profits. And you can see there, um, you know, I've highlighted the, the varying areas. So the, the 60s and the 70s were our comfort zone. Not much happened there. The 70s, we had high inflation. So wages really took a beating. Then we had the 80s and we had the boom and bust of the 80s and we had the bondies, the Allen Bonds and the Christopher Scases of the world. And we had major infrastructure during those periods of time. But a lot of big companies went broke as well. Then we had the 90s where we all had that in the beginning of the 90s, that recession we all had to have. Bloody Paul Keating, you remember that one. If you're as old as me, you do anyway. And then we had the mining boom, you know, and that was that was in the 2000s. And that created uh, a lot of discrepancy between the city areas and the regional areas. And the regional areas really took a spike. But then they took a major dump when the mining industry went from uh, capitalization and growth construction into operation and sometimes shelving of a lot of projects. Then what happened? Well, we had GFC. We had the global financial crisis. And even though a lot of industries suffered uh, and we had a lot of unemployment and we also had a lot of infrastructure spending to try and rebuild the country, the mining industry saved us. And we had this two-tiered economy. And, uh, you know, those who were, worked in the mining industry were very well off and affluent. Those that didn't were hurting. Then we have the expert export, sorry, export boom um, through to to where we are now. I mean, I know we've had COVID in the middle, but that's really what has driven our wage growth through this period of time. 
So when you look at this chart, it's pretty jolly telling. It shows the difference in the varying industries there being mining and non-mining and then the total of how profits have increased. Um, So this is at the start of pandemic, but wages have not. So you can see there a difference like in the mining industry, profits have gone up 78%. Wages, on the other hand, have only gone up nearly 13%. In non-mining areas, profits have gone up 22.1% and wages have only gone up 7%. So that gives us an average of 45% increase in profits in the uh, to the companies and only an 8% increase in wages. So, you know, the mining industry, <laughs> you know, when you, when you look at the, the difference there of the, the two tiers, Investment boom has created a 290% increase, um, whereas wages have only gone up, you know, the, in the investment sector, uh, a much, much smaller amount. And then the export sector is 350% increase in, um, in the, uh, you know, in, in the money being spent. So with inflation running hotter than expected, real wages are falling. And uh, they're posting their biggest decline since 2000. And if you look at what industries are being affected, um, you know, sorry, what states are being affected, real wages growth has has dropped dramatically. And you can see there WA is the highest at uh, 5.4%. But that why WA? Well, it's the mining sector. And, you know, I think the, the biggest action over the next 12 months or so when these figures really become mainstream is that the, there's going to be a lot of industrial action in that mining sector right across the board because labour is so tight and they can afford to. As we sit, um, you know, across the varying industries, you can see there how uh, real wages have dropped and mining, again, is right up there. Utilities is another one. Again, it's one of those hotspot areas where we simply don't have an, enough trained staff. So you can have a look at that chart and you can see, uh, you know, what industry you're in and therefore what industries uh, are going to be most affected, uh, you know, how they're going to affect you. But the reality is that wages have come down in real terms and they need to go up. Uh, some of those profits need to be shared uh, from a, a wage perspective. So the next thing I want to talk about is this report that came out with Westpac, which was pretty long and boring, as I said. Um, and uh, we'll start, first of all, with the national housing uh, conditions. And the latest is that we have um, we we have conditions down and um you know we're seeing that the confidence in that area is is uh not that good auction clearances have started to cool they were very very hot before christmas uh but we've started to see them cool off a little bit in relation to what's happening uh you know with the cooling in the residential sector uh residential property listings are down so this is the one thing that is really um uh, you know, a telling factor because we just simply don't have the listings. And so consequently, uh, clearances are down, but it's because the listings are, are down. Inflation is on the way up, but Westpac's report came out and said that it's on the way up because, um, it, but it's not going to be up as high as people have actually expected. 
So the property market is returning to normal, basically. The property prices fell in Sydney and Melbourne over the last little while after a strong runoff in growth, uh, which framed it as a return to normal. So listings remain really super tight, which means that we're going to have a tight property market for some time to come. You know, it's not going to be a, um, it's not going to be the high heights that we've seen in 2021. I mean, they were pretty exceptional of 20 odd percent increases in pricing, but we are going to see increases. It's not, it's going to be more moderate, which is the normal growth, which is this return to normal that, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about. Across the, the cities, you can see there the capital cities and some of the regionals combined. There's been a steady growth. Um, and, uh, you know, even on a monthly basis, with the exception of Sydney and Melbourne, every other area went up. Oh, Canberra went down a little bit as well. Um, every other area went up a little bit, which is nice. It's a nice controlled growth. Uh, this chart says the same thing, but it basically shows you in a bar chart for uh, the past three months and then the past 12 months. Obviously, the 12-month figures are right out there because we saw such a huge growth through 2021. Um, but the real players for the last month or so have been uh, a little bit of a, an easing off in Sydney, Melbourne and uh, and Canberra. Uh, when you look at the three months, it's really about um, Sydney and Canberra. So as you can see in this chart, it clearly shows just how short our listings are. I mean, that dark blue line at the bottom is is the listings that we have through 2022. The red one is 2021. Now, 2021 was already a very low listing year. Then we go up to the light pinky colored one, which is 2020, 2020, which again was a very low listing year. And uh, then back to the pre-pandemic, and that's 2019, 2018. Uh, and you can see just how, how little we have in listings now compared to what we've had pre-pandemic and even through pandemic. So a lot of those lulls that we see in the property market and what I've been talking about for a few months, that we will have a lull in the property market, it's now. And it's mainly in Sydney and Melbourne. It's not happening on Canberra too. Um, it's not happening in the rest of the other, other cities. But uh, that lull is a short opportunity for you to be able to take action. Because what's to come? What's to come is going to be pretty dramatic. As I've shown you, the market is strong. The economy is strong. Wages are strong. Wages are going to get stronger. Um Oh, the job job market is strong. Wages are going to get stronger. So what that means is that there will be more strength in the property market. However, when we add on top of that, what's going to happen with immigration, and we will return to pre-immigration growth of somewhere around the 300-odd thousand mark, where do they go? They go mainly to Sydney and Melbourne, and that is going to create another uh, push in demand for uh, for housing in those areas. So you need to get educated. There is a lot of rubbish in the market. You do need to take positions because once people get over there, you know, they're running off on holiday and buying this and buying that and whatever else and life gets back to normal, their attention is going to return to property. And when that does, particularly if it's combined at the same time with immigration, poof, 
prices are going to go up and we're going to have this massive surge in pricing. But don't just buy anything. There's a lot of rubbish, as I say. There are people out there, marketeers, who are increasing pricing by something like forty to $80,000. And that's their commission for selling your property. So they're pretty motivated to sell you a piece of crap. You've got to get educated. You've got to step up. You're the one who has to take control of your future. My thought for the week, just to leave you on a note, is this. Strive for progress, not perfection. You see, the thing is, most people get uh, so hung up on analysis paralysis, they sit by and they lose opportunities. I don't want to see that happen to you. You've got to get educated. You've got to be able to rely on yourself and your numbers. A job is not going to give you the security that you want. You've got to start building wealth on the side. And that's why I'm doing these podcasts for you. That's why I want you to take action. But I want you to take an educated action. I don't sell properties. I think it is fundamentally wrong for me to teach you how to do things and then go, oh, look, I've just got one of those. No. This is about you stepping up, you taking control of your future and being able to to set yourself up so that jobs are, are optional. Being able to to uh, do the things that you want to do in your own time with your own money. And it's really having that financial freedom. And that's why I've set aside these free 60-minute long real estate breakthrough sessions. Now, they're with my advisors and they're standing by. There's a few appointments available for you this week. All you've got to do is go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. And when you do that, you'll see a few appointments. Now, for some of you who might be listening to this on YouTube or Facebook or wherever else you listen to it, uh, there may be a link below, in which case grab the link and go that way. But if that doesn't work, I love realestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. And that will get you through to one of my advisors. Now, come armed with your goals. Make sure you know what you want, where you want to head and what you want to make happen so that my advisors can take you from there and show you what is possible and uh, how we can help you. So that's it for me this week, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, and I'll be back again to help you out with a, with some more stuff that's really going on, the real data, not just the mainstream media hype and fear. That's it for me, guys. Thank you and bye for now.